You're listening to the best of Morning Drive with Dietrich and White, an on-demand audio presentation of redpeachsports.com and ESPN977.com. Now here's today's show. Good morning, North Louisiana. What up? How goes it? Aaron and Jake hanging out here in the Caldwell Banker Group 1 Realty Studio in West Monroe. Before we get to some uh, college football headlines, and everybody still wants to talk about LSU and the quarterback situation, quick follow-up, and Dwayne points out, Haynesville hosts Loyal Prep tomorrow night at 6 in a scrimmage. we got another number of scrimmages, including a couple tonight. Evangel coming into Bill Ruppel Stadium. Mickey McCarty, Neville head coach, will join us at 845. Cedar Creek making their way over to Sterlington. On Friday, you heard from uh, Matt Middleton, West Washita playing host to Union. West Monroe will take on Scotlandville. They will meet down in Alexandria for that scrimmage. Have an airline traveling out to Washita. St. Fred hosting a big event, big scrimmage on Friday. Delhi, Delhi Charter, Caldwell will all be over there to square up against the Warriors. Not, not all at the same time, obviously. Obviously. And then uh, Rustin will be traveling to Bird. That is just a few scrimmages. If you have a couple more, certainly hit us up at 888-993-7762. I believe Carroll and Faraday this weekend, too. And I also believe Wasman and Bastrop is this weekend, also. All right, so let's get back into this LSU news since some people are still. Jimmy wants to know, so where are the quarterbacks, Loyal Narcisse and, of course, Justin McMillan, where are they transferring to? Well, that we don't know. We don't know that part yet. Uh, we just know that they are transferring. Um, I'm sure they'll, they'll have a place pretty soon, though, um, and we'll let you know once we find that out. But in terms of LSU, how does this affect LSU? One final thing about that is you look at the possibilities for both both of them. Most think uh, Loyal and Arcees would go the Juco route, yeah. kind of pull what Lindsey Scott did a year ago, goes Not the a bad junior move. route, and then, of course, went to Missouri. You look at Justin McMillan, the, the way the cards play out for him, he's got a lot of opportunities. The only thing that hinders him is the fact that all these camps have started. They're two weeks into practice. But he's only listed as a redshirt junior, but he's already graduated. So he has two years of eligibility remaining, basically going the John D'Ars route. Right. So it's going to work out great for him no matter what because he's got his college degree, goes to another school. Now he has an opportunity to get his master's and perhaps compete for a starting job. Yes. Um, look, it makes all the sense in the world for him to leave. Also, did, I, I'm sure you read his statement on Twitter. Do you read anything into him going out of his way to thank both Les Miles and Cam Cameron. I thought about that. Yeah. But no specific mention of Ed O'Shawn or anyone on the current staff. Sadly, this is the most we've talked about Justin McMillan ever in his career. <laughs> That's not true. We talked about him a good bit <laughs> in for the spring, spring game. Barely, yeah. just because he had a nice spring. And, of course, as per what we knew, and then the spring game, he was the best of the quarterbacks. Yeah, so we did talk about him. <laughs> but I'm just saying, you, you read that and not much. I mean, of course – you're speculating when you read that because there's nothing real. Yeah. You're trying to connect dots. But I thought it was interesting, at least, the fact that he went out of his way to, to thank those guys, but nobody on the current staff. All right, anticlimactic. Uh, Ed Orgeron steps up to the podium a day late and, of course, addresses the quarterback situation. Here's Coach O's opening statement. Okay, obviously, uh, Justin and Lowell has decided to transfer. Uh, we wish them the very best. Two Tigers that gave it up their all they were here, teammates, and uh, we know that they're going to have success in wherever they go, so we wish them the very best. 
But they're not having success on our campus. Time out. You know how you listen to a podcast sometimes? You don't, Aaron. But you can change the speeds. Yeah. I feel like we were listening to that on point five speed. Like, that was slowed down so much. No, that was legit. That was the audio. That was just Orgeron slowed down. He Man. wanted to make sure he said the right thing and he was politically correct. Yeah. Talk about, like, that was really slow. I thought I was in slow motion for a minute there. We want to thank loyal Narcisse. Man, that's a bad Coach O impersonation, by the way. I apologize. I uh, wish I could take that back. But I can't. Anyway, yeah. Uh, Jake came in here after having a day off, and his hot take was, it's no big deal. Who cares that two of the four uh, scholarship quarterbacks on well, the roster are gone at LSU? Uh, you're putting words in my I said it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, you would have loved to have kept them, but it, it, in today's climate, you're not going to keep those guys. Yeah. They want to play. They're going to go somewhere. It's a little shocking that Narcisse went and not Brennan. But in that aspect, I think if you're an LSU fan, you're excited about that because you get to keep Brennan and and uh, Burrow for the time being, at least. Uh, hopefully, you know whoever starts, the other one stays. But um, that that said, you know if if you have to get down to the third string quarterback anyway, your season's probably not going well to begin with. So, and you're only talking about one once in the last ten years where LSU's had to use three quarterbacks. <laughs> So some would argue they probably should have got down to the third <laughs> string. <laughs> well, that's another topic. That's that's another storyline. All right, we spin the story forward, and of course now they move forward. It's just uh, two quarterbacks taking the majority of the reps with two walk-ons behind, of course, Joe Burrow and Miles Brennan. Here's Ed Orgeron on how practice has been the last two days without Narcisse and McMillan. I've seen a complete difference in offense the last couple of days. There's more consistency. Our guys are playing with a lot of fire. They're better completed balls. There's still a long way to go. But I see a pep in those guys' step. Obviously, with four guys, nobody knew what was going on or who was going to be the starter. And uh, now with two of them, obviously one of those two guys is going to start. I, I just can't read too much into this. I mean, I, I thought practice was going extremely well before that press, press conference. Obviously, he says it's running smoother now with just two guys running. Well, yeah. Nobody knew what was going on when there was four quarterbacks. Well, he if misspoke. you took that out of context. He he, I mean, that's not what he meant. But it's going to be better because you've got more reps for these guys. Yeah. You saw the media talk about that, the fact that you, you know, both Brennan when, – when before they announced they were transferring, when Narcisse and uh, McMillan both missed, I believe that was at the Monday practice uh, or the Tuesday practice, mm -hmm. They the media were saying it was it, it, it was – Interesting to see both Brennan and uh, and Burrow get to throw the football so much because usually they're rotating four guys and you just don't get to – you get to see very small sample size of each guy. So, yeah, they get more reps. Of course it's going to be smoother. We should have a study on just how much time is devoted to talking about LSU quarterbacks on this show sick of over it. the course of the last five I years. I said it over the summer that I was like it was such a tired topic, and I, I yeah. people were giving me heck about it. Like, what do you mean it's a tired topic? It's always a big story. Yeah, it's a big story. That don't mean I'm not tired of talking about it. I wish it was just like a stable uh, position, but it's not. And by all reports, for the 25, 30 minutes that the media is in there, Joe Burrow is running with the number ones. And of course, all this came about. There are reports, of course, and Orgeron said it after the scrimmage on Saturday. They basically said or laid it down for the quarterbacks. This is kind of the pecking order right now. McMillan and Narcisse. It does add the intrigue where they could end up, and perhaps maybe one of them or two would uh, look around in state. Where do you hit now? I don't know. I'm just saying. 
Uh, I did get a couple of texts yesterday asking about um, a potential you know, Louisiana Tech mm-hmm. destination for one of them. Must be interesting, but uh, yeah, who knows? Loyal Narcisse, though, he's the ultimate wild card because I mean, his junior and senior year with the ACL injuries, and I mean, how good of a thrower is he? We certainly Not. know what kind of an athlete he is, and of course, Ed Orgeron he's, told us a week or week and a half ago that he was the most talented quarterback on the roster. He's got a good deep ball, but if you're looking at the short and medium passing game, he's not. He's the least accurate of those four. So that I mean, that's of course he's, but but he offers other things. He brings other things to the table, which is why they had a spe- special package for him. Of course, he's a hard runner. He's hard to bring down. Um, so that's why they had that sort of wildcat package. But as he said in his own, in his own words, he wanted to be more than uh, a wildcat package. He wants to be a quarterback. He wants to throw it. Uh, the text here is they're ruling on the cornerback Fulton. Of course, came down last week. Yes, there is. Um, he has to continue to serve that suspension. I believe he has, what, six months left. So, yeah, as of now, he is not going to be playing. And when he LSU. returns, he'll only have two years of eligibility remaining. Well, that's also up. It's also not clear because I saw one story that said two years. I saw another story that said one year. Mm. So, needs some more clarification on that. But, uh, yeah, not a lot of time left. My biggest takeaway from reports for LSU practice yesterday, Rashard Lawrence had returned. That's big. And look, like I said in the first hour, this isn't like we're coming in today and said Rashard Lawrence got hurt and is lost for the year. No, you lost your number three and number four quarterback. It's okay. It could be a lot worse. The, the good news is you're healthy in the trenches. Of course, you need Ed Ingram to come back on the offensive line. Don't know when that will be. But uh, as far as the defensive line goes – you seem to be healthy again, and that's fantastic news. All right, we've ended this uh, segment with the LSU Tigers. Will they make the top ten storylines that we'll be keeping an eye on in the college football season? I certainly think they will. Knowing you, they, they will, just because you like to tie it in. As... I'm sorry, I like to talk local <laughs> or regional. Yeah, but it's national storylines, Aaron. Uh, top ten Thursday rolls along after this. Top ten storylines in college football for the upcoming season after the break. Well, that commercial break worked went well. Uh, Jake was trying to tell me how to live my life. Yeah, I was <laughs> trying to offer you some advice. Uh, you know, stand up. And, Jake uh, is telling me not to go to Dallas on the opening weekend of a uh, college football. That is that is my favorite weekend of the year. Like that is my Christmas. Like. I, I just, you know, you're going to go to Dallas. You're going to have a good time. There is a big game taking place there around there. big games throughout the day. Uh, Sunday, there's one huge game. Sunday, there's one huge game. If you can go but to But how game, jealous would you be if I figured out a way to finagle my way into that game? I wouldn't be jealous. I'd be happy for you. Mm. That said, how jealous of, of me are you going to be when that Saturday you're bar hopping and you're having to listen to all these other people tell you about football? Well, I'm bar hopping watching college football. Yeah. In Dallas. You don't get to hear the audio. There's people around you who know more about football than you do, Aaron. They want you to hear their opinion. <laughs> and they will. Well, that happens every morning. <laughs> people that well, think you're they used know. to it. People that think they you're know more. You're used to it, Aaron. <laughs> All right, let's go top 10 Thursday, top 10 storylines that we look forward to. And I emphasize we 
this college football season. I had it number 10, ULM. Do you believe the hype? Is this the year that they can make it to a bowl? At number nine, Louisiana Tech, of course, will they be in contention for a conference championship and the streak of four straight bowl victories? Can they make it number five? At number eight, is Miami really legit? Is the turnover chain, does it return for another year? Of course, we get the matchup to start off the season versus LSU. At number seven, Jim Harbaugh. Speaking of living up to the hype, hmm. is this the year that they get over the hump and knock off Ohio State? Yes. At number six, this is the Pac-12. Does it still stink? Hey, go back to the Harbaugh question real quick. If... With, with everything that's happened with Ohio State, if their season gets off to a rough start because of the whole Urban thing, and Michigan does, in fact, beat Ohio State this year, does it lose some of its luster because of all the, the stuff that's happened at Ohio State? That's a good lead-in. Is uh, That is one of my storylines coming up, Jake. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll revisit your topic. We'll 10. hit pause on that. Go 10 through 6 for All right. Mississippi State's outside shot to win the SEC West. That's my number 10. I think they're a team to really pay attention to. I think they have a roster good enough to win the SEC West. Will they You've do heard your it? commentary. Keep moving on. <laughs> <laughs> number nine, Texas for real or nah. Number eight, SEC still number one. Seven, year of the running back. Six, is Kirby Smart building a dynasty? Mm. At number five, as we get into our top ten, and I'm at number five, Clemson, we talk about a quarter, the quarterback situations, LSU and Alabama. How about at Clemson with mm-hmm. a Kelly Bryan and this course, this hot shot quarterback coming in, Trevor Lawrence. I'm anxious to see Clemson this year. And, of course, Hunter Renfro is back for another year. It seems like he's been around forever. So Clemson is a fascinating dialogue. Just Clemson. Yes. Can they keep it rolling along? Okay. All right. I've got a little more on Clemson coming up. My number five is Orgeron Spate. So LSU did crack my top five. But – not just because of the team. It's really about Orgeron. Because I think nationally, you know, here I think his job is safe. I'll say that. But this could be a big national storyline if LSU starts out one and two, if they somehow go three and six. But I don't see that happening. But if they go three and six, man, I don't know if he'll survive the season. So I just think that could be a huge storyline because a lot of people still view LSU as, as one of the top programs in the country. And the people are waiting for LSU fans to kind of turn on their own. Orgeron is an LSU guy through and through, but he has to win. And so I think that's an interesting storyline to follow this year. Is he through and through, though, the, the fact that he went to Northwestern State? He grew up an LSU fan. It's fine. I went to Nickel State. It's fine. Just asking. Uh, you had Georgia. By the way, hold on. I'm going to get off on a tangent for a second. You don't have to go to a school to be a fan of a school. When you are six seven years old you don't go to school but you watch these teams and you fall in love with these teams i get tired of people saying why are you a fan of that school if you didn't go there you don't become a fan when you're a college kid you become a fan when you're six or seven or eight nine ten whatever so that always bugged me you can become a fan when you're a very small kid you can be a fan of that school no matter where they are even if it's notre dame or whatever that may be the strongest argument you've made in two weeks it's always bothered me that, it just doesn't make sense to me. You didn't go to school there, so? Unless you're one of those fans that it's a Saturday, LSU's playing a big game, so you go to Academy or Wally World and pick up a T-shirt just to, so you can say you fit in. Well, that's different. <laughs> that's, not, that's not at all what I was saying. Anyway. Uh, you mentioned Georgia being one of your uh, top ten storylines. Can they finish the job? 
We mm-hmm. see this team and, of course, how close they've got. We mentioned quarterback battles across the country. How about Jake Fromm and, of course, Justin Fields? Yeah, yeah. Jake Fromm, of course, you know, was a freshman last year. It looked like a upperclassman the way he played. Mm-hmm. That said, Justin Fields might be more athletic, might be more skilled, so he's going to push for that job. LSU doesn't have one of those marquee running backs this year, and it just seems like Georgia just keeps rotating mm-hmm. it in and out. Now, of course, you look at DeAndre Swift yeah. and what he can do this year. Yeah. Keep he, an eye on Georgia. That's my number four storyline going into this year. My number four, you actually had this earlier, kind of, sort of. Mine is, will anyone pay attention to Washington? They they have a deep linebacker core returning. They have a couple of key cornerbacks returning from injury. I think this could be their four straight top ten defense. And Washington returned 75% of its production from last year. This is a good football team coached by a good coach, but they're in a mm, pretty weak conference in the Pac-12 this year. They're going to be down. Mm. Will anyone pay attention to Washington? I I assume they can win that conference and still get into the conference football playoff, but is anyone going to actually give them a chance to win that playoff when – we still have that image of them just barely making it and getting blown out just a couple of years ago. You'll be watching because it's your favorite show. What's that? Pac-12 at dark. Pac-12 <laughs> after dark. Yeah. I threw up a softball in Jake Woods. I completely <laughs> forgot, man. I, I'm sorry. Uh, it's been it's been a long week. Uh, number three, for this show and for this region, for this state, it should be number one. The situation with LSU and how this plays out. Jake had it at number five. Orgeron, the quarterbacks, Ensminger, do they find early success? Do they survive a brutal run at the beginning with Miami and, of course, Auburn? LSU is the gift that keeps giving in terms of media. Yes, always something to talk about. Uh, number three for and me. And the second part of that is if they are able to get over the hump in Miami and Auburn, then all of a sudden this entire dialogue around Orgeron and Joe Burrow you're, changes. You're a top ten team. You beat Miami and Auburn, you're a top ten team. Oh, yeah, everything's changed. Big if. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that. That would be fun to visit. Number three, undefeated Group Five team. Will they get more love this year because of what happened with UCF last year? I think it's it's something worth being in my top three because UCF won undefeated last year. They they made the claim that they were national champions. It's it sparked a conversation of what does a Group Five team have to do to get into the college football playoff. Will they ever get into the college football playoff if it's just four teams? I I feel like we'll at least have more love or show more attention to a team, especially if it's a team like FAU who's able to knock off an Oklahoma, and if they were somehow able to, to run the gauntlet and, and go undefeated. I feel like we would have conversations whether or not FAU deserves to be in the top four at the end of the season. Do you, do you disagree with me? Not saying we that, that they would get in. I'm just yeah. saying I believe we would have a lot of conversations a lot of compelling arguments for a team like FAU to get into the top four. They can send Central Florida thank you letter. Exactly. So I just think that kind of opens the door for an interesting situation yeah. this year. But of course, because I'm saying all this, probably no Group Five team goes undefeated or you know sniffs the top ten. Two weeks ago, this was a no-brainer. What the number one storyline going into college football should be, and that of course would be Alabama and what they're doing with the quarterback situation. And could this divide them with Tua and Hurts and how? Nick Saban kind of handles this situation. Now, with everything going on with Ohio State and Urban Meyer and this whole mess, I think that jumps the Bama quarterback controversy. Ohio State, either way, 
Urban Meyer, which I believe is going to be reinstated or suspended for the first three or four games, his comeback, when he gets back on the field, what kind of distraction will this be? Now, on the flip side, if he's suspended for perhaps the year or just flat out fired, what kind of cloud hangs over this program for the rest of the year, and how does the interim head coach do? Yeah, uh, all good points. My number two, I kind of lumped all the quarterback controversies together. Um, Alabama, Clemson, Georgia, even Texas. You know, you've got a lot of big-time quarterback battles all across, even Notre Dame too, all across the country. And I think the Alabama one's the most intriguing, the one that we've talked about the most, just because of how last year ended. And, of course, with what's happened recently, with Jalen Hurts kind of saying what he's saying, saying, you know what, nobody came up to me and asked me how I felt about how last year ended. So I think all the quarterback controversies, uh, I I kind of grouped them all together because these are storylines that are going to play out throughout the year, and there's a lot of pressure around a lot of young men at these big-time programs. There's a top ten Thursday, top ten storylines to watch besides number number one one for Jake. (laughs) Trying to roll credits on me, man. My number one is the college football power rebirth. You got teams like Texas, Miami, Notre Dame, you know, you, you, Michigan. All these teams are back in the national conversation, and I think that's better for the sport. Just like when the Yankees are good in baseball, just like when the Lakers are good in the NBA, it's good for the sport. It drives more attention to it. So I think college football has kind of become a little more regional in recent years as far as like teams like Alabama and Clemson being the – the teams that kind of carry the flag for the for the whole country. This year, it's a little bit different. I think you've got you know the bigger names kind of putting together top ten teams on the field or potential top ten teams on the field, and I'm excited to see how that plays out. I like it. Sorry for trying to steal your thunder. Yeah, man. You just whatever. I'm used to it. What did we get right? What did we get wrong? Eight 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 nine nine three seven seven six two. The Darren Moody State from Hotline slash Text Line. Coming up next, let's talk a little uh, Saints football, and then at eight forty five. High school previews continue to roll along. Mickey McCarty from Neville will join us. A pretty good little scrimmage tonight out at Bill Ripple Stadium. Yes, Evangel and the Tigers going at it. Nice. Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7 back after this. Hit us up at 888-993-7762 before we get to some uh, NFL news and notes, including Saints getting ready for their second preseason game. We jotted down a couple things. We were looking at – the hot prospects from Northeast Louisiana going into this high school football season. We talked about the the talent level, or at least the big names, are not in Northeast Louisiana this year. 247 Sports lists their top 100 recruits for the upcoming year. And if my math is correct. Probably not. (laughs) We just have six guys on the list. Is Ray Parker the highest? Uh, Ray Parker is the highest in the state, according to 247 Sports from Ruston. Of course, Parker coming in at number five. Haynesville's defensive tackle, Joseph Evans, coming in at number 18. And then how far do you got to go down? Then you drop all the way down to Logan Newell, the offensive lineman from Neville. Of course, he's a commitment to the Dirty Cajuns. David Hutchinson at West Monroe at 58. Uh, Larry Scott, a linebacker from Faraday at number 92. And uh, Freddie Mango, it's nice to see him getting some love. Of course, the athlete from Delta Charter coming in at number 99. Mm. Yeah, it's not the banner year that we're used to seeing. We we anticipated this, though. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, um, not to be Debbie Downer, I'm just showing uh, with prospects in this state, not exactly a great year for North Louisiana. Well, next year you look uh, state rankings. Uh, the kid from uh, the kid from uh, Hainesville, Hainesville uh, Cameron, Cameron Jackson coming in at number eight, and the big kid from uh, Oak Grove, Keenan Card, Card called out Caldwell coming in at number nineteen. Yeah. Um, also, <laughs> Richie says, and LSU will land none of them. Um, text here too. Any news on the NCAA making the playoffs ten teams soon? No. Um, haven't heard any news of that. I think it'll go to eight before it goes to ten. By the way, it's it's unavoidable. Probably go to six before it'll go to eight. <clears throat> it's going to expand. I don't want it to, but it will. Hmm. All right, uh, let's get into some NFL news and notes. We have got a couple games tonight to keep tabs on. Yeah, I, I think nationally you've got on ESPN, um, you've got the Redskins and the Jets. And that kicks off at 7. A couple of things to look for here, of course. Cam Sims, the former Washita standout, can he build off what he did in that first preseason mm-hmm. game? Made one spectacular catch and run, finished with two big receptions for the Redskins. By all reports up there, he's making some headway on not only making the practice squad, but actually making this team overall. Martez Carter. Former Richwood Grambling yeah. standout. Where is his role now with this team? Darius Geis mm-hmm. going down. He's got a number of quality backs still in front of him. The fact that Martez did not get a carry, I believe, in that first preseason game may not bode well. So perhaps tonight he gets that opportunity. And, of course, <clears throat> um, you've got Sam Darnold. I think that's a big storyline just because he had a really good start last week. You want to see how he follows that up. Plus, uh I haven't checked, but I'm assuming Alex Smith will play a series or two with Washington. So uh, get another opportunity to see him in a Washington Redskin uniform. Other games tonight? Other games tonight, you've got Philadelphia, New England, uh, and Pittsburgh, and Green Bay. We'll break them all down for you, at least try to tomorrow. Things that will stand out. Yeah. Uh, you look at the Saints, of course, they continue to get ready for a preseason home game Friday night versus the Cardinals. I guess one of the major storylines on this game will be the fact that Drew Brees is expected, even though Sean Payton has not uh, tipped his hand yet, but most expect Sean, uh, Drew Brees to play for the first time this year in the second preseason game of the year. That has typically been the case throughout his career. Yeah, so it's always good to see number nine on the football field. Um, of course, I think you can still carry over some of the same storylines from last week uh, with that being the, the backup roles. But, yeah, it's, it's always good to see Brees back on there on the field. Uh, here's Drew Brees on the decision perhaps to play in the second preseason game and why. I think it's a couple things. Number one, I don't necessarily decide, you know, um, but it's, I think you look at it and it's, okay, it's risk reward, right? Um, obviously, uh, you know, it's important for me to get some reps in the, in the preseason. And it's really just a matter of how many. I, I feel like getting some work in the second preseason game and the third preseason game prepares me plenty for the regular season. Um, we got a lot of other guys that we're trying to get work, right? Um, it's good that Taysom Hill gets a lot of reps, right, um, as we develop him. It's good that Tom Savage gets a, 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 familiar, a familiarity and, and comfort level with this offense and, the, and these guys. It's important that JT Barrett gets some time. And I think just in, in, in the big picture, you know, it's for those guys to be able to step in and, and, and run the huddle and, and do the things that's required of the quarterback position. So for me, what do I need to do to get ready to play for the regular season? I'm going to make sure I get that done out here and with preseason. And the rest of it is developing young players. How do you approach helping the other quarterbacks on the field? Well, I take care of my business, and then every chance I get, I am, I am 
completely open to answering questions for them, helping them. We talk through a lot of things in meetings, you know. I mean, obviously, we've got a lot of experience in this offense, you know, now going on 13 years and the way that it's evolved. And, you know, we can be sitting there watching a concept, you know, in, in the film room. And, you know, me, Joe, and Pete, the fact that we've been together for so long, too, like we could sit there and go through the whole origin and history of that play. Um, hey, we started run this play in this year, and this is how we ran it then. And then, you know, two years later, we evolved it to this because we started seeing more of this coverage or we had this guy. And so you can give them the history on it. And then and so because of all that, this is how we read it now. And this is why we know it's the best way to do it. Right. And then here's all the video evidence. Right. It's like. It's like when somebody comes to you and it's like, we have science-based research. It's like, we have video-based research and evidence right here, okay? And this is why we do it. So I'd say that that's, that's where, when you're installing the offense and those guys are hearing it for the first time, you know, somebody like me with a lot of these concepts, you know, it's very much second nature. So we're able to talk through that and communicate it. Good stuff there from uh, Drew Brees, just the evolution of plays that, of course, Sean Payton and himself have called throughout the years. Saints versus Cardinals, believe it's set to kick off 7 o'clock on Friday down in the Superdome. Yeah, looking forward to it. One other NFL uh, storyline, we're certainly keeping close tabs on this one. Uh, if you didn't hear us in the 7 o'clock hour, Denver Broncos wide receiver Carlos Henderson, of course, former Louisiana Tech standout, has been suspended without pay by the NFL for the opening week of the season for violating the substance abuse policy. This goes back to his arrest in uh, January in West Monroe, when he was charged with a first offense possession of marijuana. Uh, right now, Carlos is not with the Denver Broncos. It, they say it is dealing with some uh, family issues and some personal issues, but you certainly think, uh, Carlos, whatever his issue is, needs to get it resolved if he plans to make this team with the Denver Broncos. Yeah, I hate it, man. You can't win a job if you can't get on the football field. And uh, we, we, we see this. The NFL is a businessman. They they move on so quickly. I, I think quicker than any other sport. So, hoping that he can get these things settled um, and get back on the football field and, and contribute. Carlos, of course, such a dynamic player for the Bulldogs. A third round pick for Denver. Spent his uh, rookie season on the injured reserve list with a thumb injury. Uh, his teammates are certainly concerned. Emmanuel Sanders said in July. Uh, referencing uh, Carlos Henderson. He just has to figure it out. Whatever it is, if it's football, whatever, he's got to figure it out, and he's got to find his happiness, and I hope he finds it. We'll see how this plays out for uh, Carlos Henderson. Did have a text here about uh, high school football. Are you going to do a game to watch each week in high school football this year? We'll do even better. We'll give you the top ten games to watch, like we did last year. We'll bring that back. Uh, that will sort of replace our top ten Thursday. We certainly have some uh, scrimmages and jamborees to watch over the next uh, two weeks. In fact, I'm looking forward to going out and uh, making a trip over to Ruston today. They're having a press conference for the Eddie Robinson uh, Classic that will take place in Eddie Robinson Stadium next Saturday. That should be fun. Of course, we'll have some sound to share from that coming up tomorrow. As for tonight and the scrimmages this week, I don't know if it gets any bigger or perhaps better for a scrimmage than Evangel traveling to Neville? Name recognition-wise, I mean, you're talking about two powerhouses squaring off in our own backyard. So that's pretty exciting uh, to go check out. Of course, those two are always going to be in the conversation when it comes to uh, the playoffs and and, and where they'll be featured uh, in the postseason. This all gets underway uh, tonight at 6 o'clock. Mickey McCarty scheduled to join us after the break. Other things to keep tabs on tonight, we got uh, Struington uh, welcoming in Cedar Creek. 
Now the Cougars kind of tweaking their offense a little bit. It'll be interesting to see Cedar Creek how they stack up against Sterlington tonight. Mm-hmm. Got a text here going to that one. Go Neville. Uh, Sterlington, uh, of course, I want to see C.J. Calvin. How much does he run after he's coming off of that season-ending injury last year? I watched him in practice the other day, and boy, I mean, literally, we were looking at a kid last year. Man. Uh, the way he burst onto the scene, I was looking at him as a 16, 1,700-yard rusher last season before he went down in the opening week. In fact, uh, I think we were both at the, the Cedar Creek scrimmage last year, and he looked so good, and it's like, okay circling him, looking for a breakout year from him. And then, of course, he goes down the first game of the season. Very unfortunate, but happy to see him back. And uh, I'm sure Sterlington fans can't wait to see what he does. But the beauty of it is for Sterlington, it's not a one-man show no, in the back. No, no, no. you got Dallas Rager. you got Malik Jefferson. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you've got a lot of kids that uh, um, can, can, can play in, in the backfield. But um, in terms of, of that scrimmage, I want to see that. I also want to see the quarterback position because you're having to replace – Carson Flowers, a guy that um, we talked about week in and week out. A lot of teams would play them, would uh, you know, kind of look at him, say, hey, he doesn't look that fast, and they come back the next one and say, yeah, he's quicker than he looks. Mm-hmm. So I want to see how they replace that. Other things to keep an eye on in scrimmages uh, tomorrow night: St. Fred hosts Delhi, Delhi Charter, Caldwell. Got Rustin making the trip over to Bird. You have an airline squaring up against Washita and Haynesville playing host to Loyola Prep. Hey, one more quick plug. Uh, you say we do a horrible job of promoting our other stuff. Well, I'm trying to make up for that today. Uh, West Monroe preview is now online, WashtaCitizen.com. Uh, we'll have a preview every day <coughs> on Paris teams and, and even more teams like Mangum, Franklin Paris, etc. Uh, the preview comes out next week. And uh, coming soon, our very own Facebook page. Uh, Jake yeah. actually combed his hair this morning. He is ready for a glamour shot after the show. Yeah. Uh, take my picture, Aaron. <laughs> Neville head coach Mickey McCarty joins us after the break as we put a bow on the morning drive. Welcome back to the show. No need for a parting shot today with our final guest, that being Neville's head coach Mickey McCarty. He's able to bring us a hot take to end this show. He joins us on the Darren Moody State Farm Hotline. Coach, how are you doing this morning, bud? Good morning, Aaron. Doing good. Uh, another season is here. How's everything going out there on Forsyth Avenue for the Neville Tigers? Well, like everyone else, you know, we're, we're excited about ball starting. Uh, everybody's still undefeated right now, so all the coaches are doing real good. Uh, but the, uh, we're excited. We've got a great scrimmage here tonight against Evangel, and uh, we'll learn a lot more about our team tonight, Aaron. Uh, everybody says, boy, what happened to the Neville Tigers last year? Really a down year. When you hear talk like that and the fact you made it all the way to the quarterfinals, what do you think? Well, when you, you know, finish the year eight four and get beat in the quarters, uh, and that's a down year, I think the program's in a pretty good place. Uh, but at the same time, we, we felt that way. And, uh, you know, expectations are high here on 604 sites, and we want it that way, and wouldn't want it any other way. So, uh, certainly beginning a new season, uh, a new team, uh, you know, expectations are right there again. So, we, are, we hope to improve on uh, what we did last year, but, uh, you know, uh, time will tell. You go back and, of course, you review what went wrong and what went right last year. Uh, in self-evaluation, then did you go back and kind of tweak some things going into this season? Yeah, you know, it's uh, going out in the quarters last year gave us a few extra weeks before the, uh, getting out for Christmas break to really self-evaluate our, uh, you know, our program, our personnel, and uh, some things. And uh, it was good for us, to be honest with you. We, um, we really took a hard look at a lot of things, and, we tweaked some uh, scheme things a little bit from last year. Most people would notice it just watching us play, but uh, really 
just we thought we needed to, uh, to put, put the wrench on a few things in some schemes, so we did. Um, and then, you know, but more than anything else, we just kind of reset the clock, uh, you know, we kind of recalibrated a little bit the program um, with the kids and, and uh, kind of a rededication to, uh, you know, doing things better and doing things right and those type things. And uh, I feel like we're in a good spot right now, so hopefully we can, you know, keep that going. To follow up on that, you had one of my favorite quotes of the summer. You said that you believe your team didn't have a quote-unquote why last season. Right. Can you expand on that a little bit, and why is that important for teams to latch on to? Well, I think, you know, it's just it's real important for, for anybody to have a reason to fight. Um, you know, that, that can be any number of things. You know, we talk to our players. So we use an example here in fall camp about, you know, one of our coaches and uh, Coach Rout a few years ago, son, son diagnosed with pediatric cancer, and uh, you know, all of a sudden, we all had a reason why to fight a little harder. You know, there was a young man, a kid that was going through a tremendous battle, a family of friends of ours, family members going through a tremendous battle, and, uh, you know, certainly gave that family a reason why to get up every day and battle. And, you know, teams need the same thing. Um, every team and every program's a little different and develop their own reasons why to, uh, to get up every day and go to work and punch that clock and Try to do things in that way, and, and uh, so we just thought it was real, real important that we, you know, we try to get something like that established early this year. Um, you know, last year we felt like we lost it a little bit. You know, the previous year it was a three-peat idea, and, you know, the year before that was the back-to-back championship season, and you know, last year senior bunch in particular thought just lacked a, a real identity for themselves and our team. So I was just that's where that came from, and, and uh, something that I think every team really works on uh, to try to develop. Nature of the position, quarterback, everybody's looking at. And, of course, you have several different options back there this year. How has it looked, of course, with the one of your returning quarterbacks and then the addition of a high-profile transfer? Yeah, um, you know, first of all, our, our returning quarterback, Jordan Thomas, be a senior this year. Jordan took a lot of snaps last year, uh, you know, a dual-threat kind of kid, really has great wheels and can run. Um, and has, I think has done a good job developing uh, the passing game. Uh, over the off season and summer and early camp, uh, certainly looked a lot sharper in, in competition against our own team. You know, playing against somebody else tonight, we'll anxious to see how that goes. And as you mentioned, a, a transfer, Andrew Bristol comes in uh, from Mandeville, Louisiana. Their family moved back to Crow. Uh, you know, no secret that the son of uh, Bobby Brister, a you know former uh, standout player here at Neville, and of course went on to bigger things in college and the NFL. And, uh, tickled to have Andrew Willis, a great young man, and, and is competing hard also for the job. Uh, very good throw of the football, a talented kid, very good uh, football IQ. So, yeah, they're they're complementing each other very well. I think making each other better. So uh, that's been you know fun to see. If it gives, I tell you, gives a coach a good comfort. You know, you got three guys out there that uh, any given time can take in, and uh, we feel like operate our offense uh, at a high level. A lot of people want to talk about the skilled players, but I think when a team returns a lot of continuity on the offensive line, a lot of good players up there, Coach, how farther along does that put you in fall camp? Like when you start camp, are you just so much more ahead of, of where you were last year having that continuity? Yeah, Jake, no question. Uh, you know, anytime you got that back on the offensive line, and know that you talk about a, a coach's uh, comfort a little bit, at least it gives you that place to start because – you know, offensive football is about execution, and if you don't have those guys up front in the interior really working and gel together, uh, you know, you can have some really talented, skilled athletes, but you'll struggle getting the ball to them and, and creating space for them. So 
we do have some guys back up front we feel very confident in and they're working hard right now and um you know it's one of my favorite position groups on the field because they uh you know they're unsung heroes of the team and and work as hard as anybody if not harder and it's a very uh unique position uh to develop uh in football and uh but we've got a good group back there this year we feel like and looking forward to seeing them compete tonight Neville head coach Mickey McCarty joins us as our high school football previews continue throughout the years. It's been a who's who on the defense for you guys. A couple guys over there that have made a name for themselves or are ready for breakout seasons, Mickey? Yeah, you know, uh, we start with McCamey and Franklin. McCamey is a senior defensive end, uh, Aaron, that uh, really we thought uh, came into his own late last year. Uh, had a really good uh, playoff run for us. And, uh, really good team leader. Uh, very hard worker. We feel like he's going to anchor our defense, the defensive end. Um, Octavius Johnson is a guy that um, played in the interior last year, good many snaps. He'll be a senior this year. Um, we had two uh, junior linebackers this year that both played uh, a lot last year, sophomores, uh, Javon Carter and Akeem Tankshell. Both are quality kids. They've been out with injuries here in, in fall camp, uh, some, so we're trying to get them back to health. But we feel like those two guys with linebackers with the experience should be real quality players for us. Uh, we feel good about the back end of our defense. Charles Strauder uh, stands out to us right now, a junior cornerback who has really played lights out for us in fall camp. Uh, Troy Gaines is the other corner that uh, Troy's a senior um, and has a ton of ability. Uh, he develops himself a corner. Uh, he's going to be a fine football player. And we're juggling some other guys there around. Um, uh, in that strong safety position as well as three, just find the right combination. We feel like we've got some good athletes back there that are, are working hard. Our defense has a lot of speed on it again, uh, which we like to see. So, uh, and that's why I got to move on. But, again, uh, early in the fall right now, it's hard to give you a great uh, uh, look. But we'll learn a lot more tonight playing against Evangel. All right, that leads into a squaring off against Evangel tonight in a scrimmage. What will the setup or the format be like? Yeah, we'll start at 6 o'clock here, here at Neville. Um, you know, each team will get uh, offenses will get um, certain number of, X number of plays. You know, starting at a at a spot on the field and get a chance to advance the drive. And defense shots will go back to the starting point of that drive. But basically, we'll we'll do that for a few series and we'll end the scrimmage tonight with about a 12 minute uh, period. Uh, we'll have any live kicking game tonight. Uh, as wasn't quite ready for that, I was hoping to get some of that in, but. Um, but it'll be a good chance to get a lot of kids on the field and get evaluation. So, um, yeah, 6 o'clock here at Neville tonight. Uh, you know, love to have people come out and take an early look at these uh, at the Tigers. And then finally, uh, a great event. This thing has really blown up in the last couple of years, kind of a way for your Neville athletic family to rally behind this team and the school overall. I know you got an event scheduled for Saturday night. Yeah, we have fourth annual now. Uh, called the Tiger Kickoff Bash. This year we've moved out to um, ULM's Bayou Point. If you haven't been out there, ULM has a gym out there in our community. It's a great venue on the bayou there that uh, plays a used to an auditorium. Uh, we'll hold a, uh, a live and silent auction there, uh, you know, a dinner and event. Uh, again, it's kind of a celebration kickoff to the school year in the football season and a, and a fundraiser for the program. So it's a good time, and uh, a few tickets still available, uh, a few tables still available. But uh, we usually put about 400 or so people in there and uh, have a good time and try to raise some money for the, uh, for the program. Several great items up for auction. I saw there's a little uh, puppy actually going to be auctioned off. Any yeah. chance that Mickey McCarty walks home with that puppy? Let me tell you something. My wife has made that uh, completely clear that that will not happen. 
Uh, I'm a dog. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm a dog lover. And, uh, you know, they dropped that little sucker in here the other day, uh, showed it to me. But, you know, it's a teddy bear golden doodle, which is a really unique uh, breed. And, um, you know, just doing some research on them, they, they do make great pets and a beautiful dog. So uh, uh, my son and I'd love to have one. But I don't think Mama's going to go for it. Thank you, Mickey. We'll see you Saturday night and, of course, tonight against Evangel out there at 6 o'clock at Bill Ripple Stadium. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it, man. Thank you, man. Mickey McCarty, Neville's head coach. He says he's a dog lover, but I don't think he likes bulldogs. <laughs> Goodness. That was bad. How bad was that? Can we take a minute? Can we take a minute? Uh, man, by the way, love the name Akeem Tankshell. Like, what a great football name. Tank shell. I mean, that it doesn't get much better than that. Uh, we're out of time. Uh, coming up tomorrow, uh, Lee Burkeen from Louisiana Football Magazine will join us around 8.30 or so. We'll get the uh, state perspective in the high school ranks. Yes, and later today, look for our Facebook page. Uh-oh. We're going to be putting up a Facebook page nice. later today. Nice. And we're going to we're gonna have some audio every day. So if you miss some of the show. Oh, don't set the bar too high. Oh, uh, Sometimes. <laughs> Hopefully every day. We'll see. Uh, that was a fun show. Let's try to do it again tomorrow. Yes, we will. Uh, the Edge. The guys are settling in. They are raring to go. That's coming up after the break. Thanks for listening to The Morning Drive on Sports Talk 97.7. Thanks for listening to the best of The Morning Drive with Dietrich and White. To listen live every day, tune in at ESPN977.com or subscribe in iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you find podcasts.